Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's coming up, Simpsons. This episode is brought to you by the 48-hour Itchy and Scratchy Diamond Jubilee Marathon. <laughs> Celebrating 74 years of retickling brutality and hilarious atrocities. Uh, we are also brought to you by I Can't Believe It's a Law Firm. Uh, works on contingency? No. Money, money down. down. <laughs> also, ItchCon 95, the Itchy and Scratchy yes. convention that was cut out of this episode. Ah, we'll talk God. more about that later. Oh, I will get into it. We're, of course, talking about the episode The Day the Violence Died. This is the 18th episode of The Simpsons' seventh season. It originally aired on March 17th, 1996. It was directed by Wes Archer. It was written by John Swartzwelder. And And the showrunners at the time were Bill Oakley and... Josh Weinstein. Uh, Even though my name's Weinstein. That's what everyone says. Yeah, so I... We've. I, I was just so sad because we were writing our book. Julia yeah. and I have a book called uh, "100 Things Simpsons Fans Must Know and Do Before They Die" that we just finished a first draft of. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was listening to a lot of the commentaries, and we've been calling you Josh Weinstein, and then you said Josh Weinstein, and then I felt like a real. I've been calling her Crandall. I was a kid. <laughs> Either that yeah. or Steinstein <laughs> or whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't I don't care. Just hey you. That's right. you know, it's also because hey, Bill and I were always a team. It was like even if one of us walked in the room, they're like, here are the guys. Yeah. So. Right. I remember when Allie broke the news to me of how your name is pronounced. I felt this that was my day the violence died. I felt <laughs> terrible. Yeah, we I felt like sleep. such bad people. It yeah. does it so doesn't matter. And by the way, since we're talking about this script and Schwartzwelder, for the life of his writing Simpson scripts, he misspelled Wiggum. He always so spelled it W I G G A M. I love wow. it. And then he even when informed. Wigam. Yeah. It, that was like he insisted that was, was the that way. Was that a regionalism? Where is he from? He's from, I think he's from like New York or Chicago. Yeah. But Wiggum is, um, Wiggum I believe is Matt's mother's either maiden name or it's, That's it's from right. her family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway. So, so good. So na- names don't matter. Yeah. We're all just Simpsons fans. I names, love that. Names don't matter. We're all just specks of dust. Uh, you know, like life is short. Like, I don't know. Other like atheist isms. Love it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We're off to a great start. I think we are. Mm-hmm. This episode, I mean, so a lot of people know this as um, the Chester J. Lampwick episode or the Lester and Eliza episode to yeah. kind of give away the ending. Um, but, I love uh, that so Oh, much. my God. Okay. That yeah. gonna, we're we're going to jump around. We'll, we'll jump All right. Around. Lester yeah. and Eliza fact from this first draft that I uh-huh. have. I found. I have such a random assortment of scripts, but I found this first draft. And this is actually David Cohen's copy of the first draft, so it has his wow. weird doodles and notes on it. Cool. But anyway, first draft fact. How much are you selling it for? Uh, this one is $325 wow, you just or go best straight offer. for. See, but, uh, Allie's the capitalist in our duo. This is, we have so many, we, like, because Bill and I are hoarders, and so is Matt. Mm-hmm. So we have, like, all this weird old crap. I that wish I was that way with crap. work like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm such a perjurer that, like, I, I think about, like, the stuff I'm working on now. I don't know. Because we were, like, we because when Bill and I started, we were obsessed Simpsons fans. Uh-huh. So we were, like, we're going to save everything right. and go through the trash and then everything. <laughs> and we did. Oh, but anyway, back to the first draft fact is Lester and Eliza were originally Roddy and Eliza. Why oh. did why the change? <laughs> because I think Bill and I like the name Lester. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so Lester yeah, yeah. and Eliza. <laughs> yeah, so, but it was Roddy in Swartzwelder. I love first. how like 
shitty and slightly off their voices are too in the end. Like it's it, really perfect. Yeah. They're exactly this shitty version of Bart and Lisa. And it was like and we had Tress kind of do like a her like mean imitation of yeah. Nancy doing Bart was what yeah, Lester's, Lester's voice, because it's supposed to be like an analog for Bart and Lisa, and um, Lester's voice kind of sounded like season one or even pre-season one early Homer and like, <laughs> good night, son. You yeah. know, like that very kind of like, I, we did it, sis. You know, it it's just, just is slightly so weird. Off. I also always thought that we should have done a spinoff called the Lester and Eliza Mysteries. Yes. <laughs> where they're always going and foiling Bart and Lisa. I love but, that line that Bart says, I didn't even hear about that one. You know, <laughs> it's cool. It's so good. Yeah. This episode is is delightfully meta, which is what you guys do really, yeah. really well. You know, you're screwing the animation process in and of itself. And, you know, we get a lot of that by way of itchy and scratchy episodes. Um, and that's in, that's yeah. intentional because this was this was a, a legacy started by Mike and Al, who like every year they would do an itchy and scratchy episode specifically to either comment on the state of the Simpsons and like the Poochie episode mm-hmm. did that. And they and the front. Yeah. is another great example, or about animation. And so this one is more about animation history mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. Disney. And there's a very loose, and I don't know all the history, mm-hmm. but there's I think there's a certain, <clears throat> certain debate over, like, who actually created Mickey Mouse. Right. And was it and Oswald the Rabbit? And I'm forgetting <laughs> all my history, but it's, like, the animation is, is full of that. Of like who created the original character or w- what was the original form of it, so it's part based on that. Totally, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, we're going to bounce around, but I love um, that uh, when we do find out who that it was Chester J. Lampwick who um, originated uh, Itchy and Scratchy. That like you know we're in the courtroom scene and Bart dismantles the picture frame and I love the note on the actual cell and it says something I wrote it down but I'll, whatever. Oh yes, it's your your moxie to to uh, Roger Myers Jr. or Roger Myers Senior. Your your moxie more than makes up for your lack of talent. Yes, <laughs> yes, Keep yeah, going. and that's yeah. something that like I um, I'm sure a lot of people had said to Walt Disney when he was you know <laughs> making his start, and there's been a lot of debate on you know whether or not he was this like great artist in the way that he's now being presented, especially like in the Walt Disney story, you yeah. know, in Disneyland parks. Um, I've always argued that he's the savviest businessman and like, isn't that enough? He doesn't need to be this like amazing artist as well. Yeah. Or I think innovator. he was like a weird, but unusual combination where mm-hmm. he actually was a good cartoonist, but he was like a savvy businessman. And most of us creative types are not very savvy oh, business wise. Maybe so, I resent him for that. So, yeah. <laughs> Screw him. Him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and it's so so it's yeah, it's based on this was our chance to to do all sorts of animation history references like those early Chester Lampwick cartoons. The first one where where uh, it itchy. It's Itchy's the mouse, right? Yes. Damn. <laughs> that I was, comes up a lot. I swore, <laughs> I swore I was going to be like, I know about Scratchy's the cat. And I looked at it like three times yesterday and we never got a story. But anyway, oh, where Itchy takes Manhattan and mm-hmm. that style, that's based on like Gertie the Dinosaur. Oh, Which yes. was, I think, Winsor McKay was one of the very first mm-hmm. animated films. So we wanted Moving to kind pictures. of do all mm-hmm. different types of early animation. Then up through like underground animation like Fritz the Cat. Yeah, yeah, I, I love, love the Fritz that. the Cat dig in this episode. Um, yeah, and in in Schwarzwelder's draft, it was slightly dirtier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the line is actually 
pretty dirty as it is. Yeah. Um, that was actually almost one of our sponsors. I had grouped it together. <laughs> so it's Itchy and Scratchy meets Fritz the Cat. And because of its frank depiction of sex and narcotic consumption, it's not for prepucescent intellects. Yeah. That's yeah. what comic book guy says to them. Um, and I love that. I, f- I feel like, you know, that's interesting that there was not necessarily a mandate, but like an intention to have an itchy and scratchy episode per season. Um, because I feel like this is, you know, very kind to the history that you guys are coming out of. And, you know, like nodding to that. But then also, you know, you guys are paving your own way, you know, beyond that. So I, I love that kind of meta commentary on that. I think it's really yeah, fun. and that really, like we said, like that's like every year we wanted mm-hmm. to be able to do it, and it's also kind of an homage to like, like we love the older people who were on The Simpsons right. when we first started, and so like even the show itself had a history before this episode, so it's part mm-hmm. that's part meta that way too. Though I have to ask, also off of having an itchy and scratchy episode per season, was that also a result of maybe being a little bit frustrated with like studio? Well, you guys didn't necessarily have a lot of studio notes. No, that's but it, it, the Poochie episode was a massive reaction mm. to to the studio very politely suggesting <laughs> things because you know the this everybody listening to this knows like that Fox was not allowed to give notes. Yeah, right. Um and um. But they were like they were still involved, but they were like they were not allowed executives were not allowed to come to table reads. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there was one executive who was like a junior executive who we really liked that we actually had to sneak in just because he wanted to come to a table read. <laughs> but they are forbidden to give notes. I think I told the story in Poochie yeah. when I talked about Poochie. But every year I would call like every semester we would mm-hmm. as showrunner, you'd meet with the head of Fox. And they would we tell them what episodes you're planning, and mm-hmm. they could make suggestions, but you could just ignore them. But like the whole thing was like at that point they went for the pooch before the Poochie episode. They were like, "Could you introduce like a maybe a, a new character, like a, a teenager, <laughs> maybe a family member?" Because they were like, "It's getting kind of old," and and that was like the, so that so all that Poochie episode was in part a reaction to like screw you. Right. Here's your episode <laughs> with your new teenage character that you want. It's such a weird so. cheesy suggestion that makes me think of like the 1970s cartoon crossover episodes which is like a desperate grab for more viewers to and and I think that it's projecting like we are out of ideas right. which you guys then later made fun of many times. Right, but there's know? always the fear of running out of ideas. Yeah. But you can just smell you can smell when any episode or show is making a desperate grab and so we desperately tried to fight that <laughs> but this is more i think this episode is more sort of about like the history of animation yeah and we were saving all our frustration for the poochie episode <laughs> so before we bounce around too much let's recap this episode for people that haven't seen in a while in the episode bart meets a homeless man named chester j lampwick who claims and successfully proves that he is the creator of itchy from the itchy and scratchy show Lampwick sues Itchy and Scratchy Studios, the owner of the Itchy and Scratchy characters, which he claims stole his idea. After a judge awards Lampwick a U.S. $800 million, which I believe is billion. $800 billion, $800 billion. Yes. <laughs> How is, much? How much? It how is, much? <laughs> it is forced into bankruptcy and shuts down. When the Itchy and Scratchy show is replaced by a parody of Schoolhouse Rock's I'm Just a Bill segment, Bart and Lisa try to bring the show back. They find a legal precedent that could help their cause, but before they can act, other kids save the day instead. That feels like a full premise that yeah, you would they, pitch. They, they kind of covered everything. I think yeah, we're and, done then. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and watching it, I had forgot because like, 
Two, like you think the court case is going to be the end of it, yeah. and then you're like, "Oh my god, they bankrupt Itchy and Scratchy," yeah. and that's like that's like I had told, I had actually forgotten. The rest Absolutely, of the yeah. Just the way that it was pacing, I had the same feeling where I was like, "But wait, there's more." I, I distinctly remember there being like that. I'm just a bill, and yeah. sure enough, right what there. I really like about that, also, we'll go chronologically, but it's mm-hmm. like then it's like Bart and Lisa end up killing something they love. It's yeah. so sad. That story, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I I love that line of just like I hope you're happy, kid. You clo- you killed Itchy and Scratchy. You killed Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> it's yeah. so good, but it reminds me um, of when Krusty uh, gets busted. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And he's just like, uh, you know, some people would be very. Uh, uh, some people will call you a hero or like be very proud. Not me. I love Krusty. Yeah. I forget what the lead up for yeah. that is, but yeah. it, it reminds me of the same thing of like Bart trying to do the right thing and it just totally backfiring mm-hmm. and just like what a moral dilemma that is for a child of just kind of like, you did the right thing. You were helping a man. Yes. And, yeah. and I think this probably subconsciously is us going like, I hope well, I hope we don't kill the show. Aww, like, I hope we don't nice. screw, screw up the thing we love. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier, like, you know, these episodes, these kind of like itchy and scratchy episodes episodes and then also I guess crusty episodes too you know anything that's like referencing show business being this you know like kind of temperature check of how you guys were feeling or maybe some sort of like way to you know have an outlet for your anxiety maybe yeah, yeah. They, they all are and every episode every good episode is in one way or another but these ones are specifically also about the business and us being in the business and also like we're carrying on animation legacies and history so we don't want to Screw it up, and maybe like if we start start from the beginning too, like to talk about like like Kirk Douglas mm-hmm. and and Alex Rocco, because like one of the things is like in Bill and I, my era, Bill and I, my <laughs> my my, mm-hmm. my era, yes. my era, Bill I, my I, era, yeah. that we love, because like a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to meet, I want to meet Paul McCartney, I'm gonna put him in an episode, I want to meet Kid Rock, but right. we just like we like crusty old guys, yeah, we like grizzled old guys, I love, and it. so we always just look for like the best grizzled voice, and there was a bit. Now I'm blanking on the name of the actor we originally wanted, who's this great guy who was like in in. Uh, I can't even remember the movie. This really great Grizzle Probably guy. in a Coen Brothers movie. Good guy. And it's, it's in the Wikipedia thing. But he wasn't available. But they were like, well, we could get Kirk Douglas. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, let's get him. <laughs> but he was he was exactly the right amount of excellent but cranky. And like he was like, he came into the studio and he's like, I'm only going to give you two takes. That's yeah. all you're going to get. <laughs> and then it's also like we were, I was directing outside of the booth. And he and Nancy Cartwright were in the booth. And he didn't like the headphones. It's like, I can't hear. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so then Nancy kind of had to relay the directions. And so it was extremely nerve-wracking. But then he did a great performance. Mm-hmm, and yeah. the same same with Alex Rocco. Who's I one love of, Alex Rocco. He's one of our favorite people. Rest in peace. He was lovely and like a lovely guy. And he actually came in to do, I think, the commentary on this episode with us. And because he was just like. He's just a wonderful guy. And it's like, here's this guy who was in The Godfather. Yeah. And this yeah. amazing actor. And he was just down to yeah. like, participate. That's so great. All the, yeah. And even like the Kirk Douglas was happy to play a bum who yeah. wants liver and onions and stuff. I love and it. so he's totally he game for it. He did such a great job. Yeah. yeah. And well, it actually was, I think it was also his last acting role before he had a stroke. Oh, my really? God. Yeah, it was this one. Holy wow. shit. That's well, fortunate. To, to back up, okay. uh, William Hickey was. William the, Hickey, that's yes, who it is. the original Yeah, one. we loved him. He was like, I'm William Hickey. <laughs> like that. But we always, Bill and I, that's why we had Lawrence Tierney, too, is mm-hmm. we loved grizzled old jerks. I so. love it. I love a good, like, bombastic asshole type character, yeah. too. I find them so fun. Um, but so, 
the mindset when you guys were making this episode, like when you guys were still nervous about getting canceled, when did that ever like, you know, kind of calm down or was that a constant threat that you guys were? It was curious it was a it was a constant threat in our own heads mm-hmm. like because we were certain just because of the way tv shows were that this thing can't go beyond 10 years mm-hmm. it just can't so we were more of the mindset of let's tell every story we want to do and also this episode isn't as experimental but bill and i were like this is the last two years of a show let's start pushing the envelope and try things like 22 assured films or 3d or whatever just because let's do what we can yeah so but there was i think part of it was like there's always that the threat of the ending was barking at our heels, we thought. Mm-hmm. So we were like, let's tell every possible story we can. Uh, so just to kind of go um, just from the beginning, right. I just remember watching this episode um, and and feeling very uh, excited to watch Lisa and Bart watch TV. Like there was yeah. something that yeah. very cool about that. Um, and I just love that feeling of it being really late and your parents are asleep and you're trying to be really quiet and mm-hmm. not laugh too loud. And I just love that feeling because that's often what all of us were doing. It's totally. And it's like I have feels like I remember watching like like Brady Bunch with my sister. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. <laughs> Saturday Night like, Live or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Saturday Night mm-hmm. Live and stuff like that. It's like it's kind of like it's kind of forbidden. Your parents don't get it. Right. But it's like, yeah. So like I love. Yeah. I love that it starts off with this realistic feeling. And again, it's also because these they love the show, but it's been on for a long time. Like that's also kind of a right. commentary. But it's a special that. event because yeah. it's a marathon. I love yeah. that they're wearing these hats that are you know in conjunction with the marathon. It's like I think a chainsaw that with like yeah. fake blood or it's something. It's a chainsaw. It's a I think it's an axe. Axe oh, in the cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they love I, it. I and, want oh, those. and there's also a reference. One of the things that, that was cut out in the beginning is that there's a reference to ItchCon '95. So <laughs> apparently, there's a big itchy and scratchy convention that goes on in Springfield. I believe it. That should year. be a real thing that yeah. we should start. I, yes, it is. It should. <laughs> um, I also so you know obviously we can't go through every single little moment, but I do really love the intro of this um, because. Uh, when they find out that there's going to be this parade, uh, they try and, and go. And, and Marge says, like, it's 11 at night. Like, I don't want my kids to be going down there alone. Homer, you go, too. And Homer just says, like, oh, can't they just take the gun? Yeah. <laughs> Which is very funny, especially after this. Um, uh, who's the who's the politician who keeps doing Ted Cruz? Cruz? Yeah, how he was saying that they're all Republican. Oh, my God. There's a lot of relevance. <laughs> when we get to that Schoolhouse Rock thing. Yeah. Because I yeah. was watching it again. I was like, oh, my God. This Schoolhouse Rock thing is a commentary on Trump and Cruz and yeah. all these people. Yeah. Honestly. But, um, Why don't yeah. they use that? If he's going to quote The Simpsons, he should use it. Yeah. He should do it well. I like... can't understand. He just like <laughs> he's like a he's like Charlie Brown in the football of The Simpsons where he doesn't get that they don't like him of course and he doesn't seem to get it even though i think he may actually be a fan that it's it's pathetic like he's the worst simpsons fan i believe he may be one but he's number zero republicans historically not on the side of women's reproductive rights yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's like all right let's 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 reevaluate Anyway, back to this okay, episode. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about um, the tradition of uh, camping out for a parade. Yeah. Which is something that I did when I was a kid for the um, like Hollywood Christmas parade. Like, you know, they still do it today. It's like really, really shitty, low budge. It's like the, the first thing in the holiday season in L.A. County. And it's always like hosted by Mario Lopez. Or no, not even. Um, Eric Estrada is yeah, usually Well, that's the why we the combination of Suzanne Summers and David Brinkley yeah. was like the perfect. 
perfect combination. They were but so yeah, great. But camping out for parade is like a big thing I remember from my youth in mm-hmm. the 70s. And part of it, too, there's, there's a little joke that's one of my favorite jokes in this episode, but it's so small, where it's just like, Bart, they set up their chairs, their lawn chairs, and they're running across to the comic book store, and they say, save our seats. Yes. And Homer says, don't worry, I will. And he turns, and there's this couple, <laughs> yes. a young couple, and the guy just goes, hello. <laughs> oh, and it's so and I it's wrote that so down perfect. in my notes. That's one of yeah. my favorite things. I but, love how quick and visual that is. Like, yeah. that's also one of my favorite kinds of jokes, too, where it's like, um, all right, I'll do this thing, and then quick cutaway yeah and then it's like completely squandered i love like the this episode of that. is so, so full of like many forgettable great oh, little jokes it's great like that. and um, we also we also cut out there's one instance we cut out while they're waiting for the parade of that wiggum wiggum is coming along like an old-fashioned cop and saying like he can't sleep here tapping with his <laughs> oh, baton funny. and homer's sleep homer's waking up from a dream and he says like i already i already gave you all the atomic secrets i know <laughs> and wiggum's like move along that's but we so cut great. that part that's fun and then of course we get um you know very soon after and we'll jump around because there's a whole scene that happens in between this but you know i love like uh the joke of them camping out and for nothing because they camp out yeah. behind a pillar and or not and, a and pillar, then the grandstand the is constructed in yeah. front of yeah that's because that's such a thing I remember too and like having your dad mm-hmm. hold you on your his yeah. shoulders and stuff we used to camp out for that Hollywood Christmas parade uh, with my old Girl Scout troop and um, I remember us just being there all day and for what to see you know three members of the boy band 98 degrees <laughs> and like you know characters wow, you're, you're from a show I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It just like No, was that nothing. was the thing cuz back in the, back in the days before the internet yeah. there were five different things you could do for entertainment and one was a parade. <laughs> yes. And so like it, That's yeah. what it was. Funny. That's just, a thing interesting yeah. thing too is like to to be all nostalgic is there's a huge amount of nostalgia in the Simpsons mm-hmm. and this episode is particularly has that nostalgia for like parades and yeah. old cartoons and all that stuff. Schwarzwelder is like our great uncle of old timiness like mm-hmm. cuz like Bill and I always loved old timey stuff but Schwarzwelder is the master yeah. yes. of it and in fact he looks oh he appears he's one of the surprise witnesses who walks into the oh, courtroom really? oh yeah uh, in, so it was like what? Santa and like Sa- Santa <laughs> Sean Schwarzwelder and the McCreary twins on their yes, little hop yes. on their I, motorbikes I recognize Schwarzwelder I love yeah. the drawing of him yeah mm-hmm. so we tried to put, we tried to put him in as many episodes but specifically this because it was him but he's the the king or the crown prince of old timiness. Yeah. So it's full. Even like the guy's name, Chester J. Lampwick. Yeah. <laughs> is so old fashioned. And and I mean, that kind of goes into, you know, what he's done outside of The Simpsons, too, is like hard boiled detective novels and stuff like that. And I love like in doing this podcast, learning what is, um, you know, particularly a, a John Swartzwelder type joke, like off I go, like radio yeah, style exactly. kind yeah. of stuff. He, he, up there, like probably five people, and I think we've talked about this before, but like five writers who pioneered a certain thing that then became part of the comedy language. Right. But Schwarzwelder's things like Down I Go. Yeah. And that, it's like we talked about this in another yes. podcast. Right. But based on old time radio, radio where you had to describe what was happening. Did he originate but, Yoink? No. You know, there's a whole fascinating history to Yoink. Oh, that's, a whole that's other going in the next bar. book. Yeah. That it is like, and it's still. Not known, but we think because, like, I think George Meyer pioneered its use on The Simpsons with Homer saying "yoink." But we believe that "yoink" actually comes from an Archie comic, right? Where, oh, cool. Where, where someone is yanking something away and it said "yoink." 
But there's a whole. <laughs> I think I remember a, that. There's That's a debate fantastic. about the history of Yoink. Yeah. Well, we'll write that in our Simpsons yeah. book. Yes. You know, the next next one. Um. So I wanted to mention one little uh, bit of dialogue that I one think is funny, but two just sets up the episode and what's going to come really well. And it's during uh, waiting for the parade. Uh, Bart goes to uh, the comic book store and sees comic book guy and sees this drawing of uh, of Itchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says he'll give him ten dollars for it. And the dialogue of I think comic book guy is like laugh out loud funny in this episode yeah he's one of my favorite he's characters. so yeah he's so good so in this in this one uh bart says that he'll give him 10 bucks and he says are you are you the creator of high and lowest because you are making me laugh <laughs> that drawing's worth exactly 750 american or dollars american uh bart says it's valuable huh comic book guy says ooh your powers of deduction are exceptional i simply can't allow you to waste them here when there are so many crimes going unsolved at this very moment <laughs> go go for the good of the city and so one it's very funny it's very snarky um but it also uh ties into the fact that lisa and bart do kind of solve crimes throughout yeah. the lore of the simpsons yeah. as we see at the end uh, and we are reminded of when marge is kind of giving them their pep talk and saying like you've done this yeah <laughs> yeah two things about that comic book guy is a delightful asshole yes. yeah i was but i was going to say the same exact we, thing we love and he's one of the characters that we'd love to write because yeah. he's such like you just know people like this. Oh yeah, and he's so he's like he was delightful to write. But also one of the things that about this episode was by season seven, it was like Bart and Lisa had already solved so many, <laughs> so many crimes right. and stuff that it was also a comment on that. Yeah. Where that's why the whole Lester and Liza thing came up. It's like. We can't have them solve this like, another thing. Right, yeah. right. It's just like it's getting old. Yeah, so that was yeah. the genesis the fantasy of fantasy element of yeah. it is kind of wearing thin. But of course, yeah. when you you still start want to, to see them that. solve stuff. Yeah. Does, so yeah. what's the best way out of that? You yeah. comment on it. You call it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's um and and forgive me if this has been covered in in one of your previous episodes, but um, is there anyone in particular that the voice of Comic Book Guy is based on? Oh my God! I think it's both our our inner persnickety this uh-huh. <laughs> and but no it's just like it's just a voice that 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 Hank does is so funny yeah. and perfect but it's just like any any annoying person can be channeled into comic book guy um well, just thinking of the kind of uh, parade stuff and then we'll move away from the parade is just the announcers uh saying oh, something just like isn't this the most fun you've ever had yes yes it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's also David Brinkley who's like a so who's good. a renowned political commentator but he's sitting and weighing in a parade about a cartoon yeah <laughs> it's so but actually it's like i think there's a, a segment i won't bother to read but he goes yes. on he's like when the parade fears off he's like well now we can have time to go talk about the election of 1948 but we really like the pairing of david brinkley and suzanne summers who really did it but yeah. of course yeah. david brinkley was probably like i don't know what this show is <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it, and I love how frothy Suzanne Summers' character is of just, uh, now the parade has entered Bumtown. Oh, it's all just so exciting, Dave. Like, just her, like, over-enthusiasm. It is, and that's part of it, too, of an inanity of parade announcers. Because, like, I yeah. want to see the Thanksgiving Day Parade, but I also want to kill myself when I'm yes. listening to people talk about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so. Which is why that um, uh, Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon Rose Bowl thing was just so fucking on point. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were so funny doing that. I want them for everything. Um, I also, one last thing about the parade. Um, oh, I have one more last thing, too. Oh, yes. Um, I really love the parade float of... Um, uh, here he is creating the character from the thoughts in his head, and it's he's like yes, lifting he's the top of his plucking skull them from his head. Yes, it's, it's so a good great. parade. It's a it great a good parade. parade. It's a well done parade. Yeah, and of course they go through Bumtown. 
Um, yeah. yeah. And in fact, Bart, we actually did this twice because we were obsessed with Animal House as one of our favorite movies. So mm-hmm. Bart getting into the parade, and we also did it in the in the Irish parade, but oh, Bart yeah. becoming part of a parade is an homage to Doug Kenny's character, Stork, oh, when mm-hmm. he comes into the parade. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. I love in that moment of people in the crowd going, Bart, Bart! Because it's <laughs> yeah. funny, it's like, uh, you know, you guys kind of bounce around between, like, no one knowing who the Simpsons are and everyone knowing yeah. who the Simpsons are, you know, whatever the situation may be in the episode. It's really funny. Um, so after that, we uh, we get to meet Chester, and we learn about the fact that he did, in fact, create this. And we see the tape, and Milhouse's reactions to it are my favorite. Oh, my yeah, God. That really was great. wonderful. <laughs> He's Be- Irish. Yeah, and just their uproarious <laughs> laughter and stuff. It's like, oh, my God, get him. Oh, and also when Teddy Roosevelt walks in, Bart goes, look at that fat oaf. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Teddy Roosevelt, kid. It's yeah. so it's funny. Like, I love their reactions, too. Oh, and there's a scene we cut out. Um, because the whole reason that you see Milhouse watching the film with him was it was Milhouse was the head of AV Club, mm-hmm. and we actually cut out that scene because like nobody needs to know that. And like, it's implied. It's implied. <laughs> but here's this is this is the small scene of dialogue that we cut out for Milhouse. Where, um, so Lampwick says, "Find a projector and I'll prove it to you." This is from the first draft. We cut to the school auditorium a little later. Bart and Chester are waiting for Milhouse to open the side door of the auditorium. Milhouse says, nervous, uh, I don't know about this, Bart. When they gave me the key to the AV room, I had to take a solemn oath not to screw around in there. Then Bart says, just open the door. <laughs> and then they open it. See, it's a easily cuttable yeah, scene. Right. But that explains why Milhouse is there. backstory, how it works. Yeah. Oh, and also an interesting thing, another historical reference is in this scene after they watch these films, they debate, they burn up. And that's mm-hmm. based on a real thing. Of the, all of these old nitrite films right. were made on this flammable, explosive material. And that's why so many silent films and old animated films actually were mm-hmm. lost. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Um, I'm part of the Animation Guild now. And I remember like hearing somewhat recently that they're trying to restore a lot of those old prints and prevent that from yeah. continuing to happen and that they had like rescued you know i don't know x amount of uh old uh animation reels but but yeah it's so crazy that they like produced them on the flammable material and didn't foresee that it would well, be a, a lot problem of things. and like in like in england they re-recorded all these classic bbc shows over old shows that then were lost forever. Oh, my wow. God. But there's all these things on this. With animation, too, that they're finding some of these lost yeah, films. Yeah, it's incredible. Like happens in this episode. Um, oh, oh, I was just going to say, I looked down at my notes, and I uh, I really like Chester J. Lampway going, last time I tried to impress a four-year-old. <laughs> yes, I love, there's a there's another reference we cut out, too, that where people don't really know Bart and Lisa's age. Like, adults are like, right. I don't know, what are you for? Yeah. And there's a scene later where that we cut, where Bart and Lisa go to a bank to try to get a loan to finance new Itchy and Scratchies. And the banker is just like, what are you, like, you're eight, you're less than eight, I can't give you a loan. Yeah, yeah, I love that I mean it's it's very realistic yeah. and uh, and then I also love within that scene um, you know Bart really like standing up for Roger Myers uh, junior so and yeah. senior and whatever um, but him saying yeah he's a really good guy every Christmas he goes to the pound <laughs> and he rescues one cat and one mouse and gives them to a hungry family <laughs> I yeah. love that it's also because it is like it's the innocence of youth and like I remember right. as a kid watching Walt Disney because he would host 
the yeah. Walt Disney night every Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, that seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, I believe uh, he was a nice guy. I don't feel the same about Michael Eisner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because, like, having worked for Disney, I used to be, when I was on The Simpsons, we were all like, oh, Disney sucks and blah, blah. Yeah. But having actually worked there, it's kind of a nice place to work. Right. So, on and, Gravity Falls, or were you yeah, also on? Yeah. On Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. And it did seem like there's a thing, unlike Fox, Disney actually kind of is nice to its employees. They so, are. so maybe Walt was a nice guy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's an evil businessman, but he had a nice side. I think a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. But yeah, um, I briefly worked for them as well. And, and I think that they do a really good job of like the day-to-day, like, we value you. It's a nice place to work. We have good food kind of stuff, yeah, which exactly. can go really far, you know? Yeah, it does. Until you, you have... find yourself 10 years into a contract and you, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so right after this, Chester is going to stay with the Simpsons uh, and and his parents aren't going to mind because they're not going to know about it, which is a perfect like kid logic. Like, my yes. parents yes. don't mind because they're not going to know. I'm I... going to have a bum live in the basement. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I love the all... quick fixes and logic in this episode because I buy all of them and they're all super silly. And those are all, these are all from Schwartzwelder's first draft. And those are wow. all, those are all like Schwartzwelder logic. Yeah. It's like it's insane, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I love, uh, do you know what Radon is? No. <laughs> that, actually, that whole little segment is so perfect because it's just like, there's a box you could sleep in. Just move the cot out of the way. Yeah. I love how he's just like, okay. <laughs> it's great. And I also love, it's just so silly, like Homer passing by the basement and him going spare change. I love <laughs> the, the Chester J. Lampwood character consistently throughout this episode the fact that he is so like deep in his hobo like ways doesn't want to change even when he has right. a ton of money for some reason like it, I buy it and it's delightful for me because right. I don't often see that you know you often see like the poor to rich transition being you know more stark but it's like maybe he was happy being a he's hobo he's happy to still like bug Kent Brockman for yeah. spare change even when he I has a gold that. house or uh, to shine his shoes yeah. you know yeah and that's also that's part very Schwarzwelder too is like the love of like old time hobos yes and that sort of like life on the rails and stuff is so purely Schwarzwelder <laughs> and there's a lot more references in this first draft about Chester Lampwick remembering days when he would steal pies oh. from yeah. From windows and stuff. Yes. Like that. Well, I was just about to say, I love the runner of. Um, I love how contentious Grandpa and Chester J. Lampwick are. The best. I love that choice because, yes. of course, because they kind of belong in the same age group and, you know, they would possibly have a history. And I love I love it when, like, Grandpa gets very suspicious um, because he's usually very, you know, out to sea and, and uh, not exactly, like, in the moment. But I love, you know, him saying, I gave you a plate of corn muffins back in 19. 1947 to paint my chicken coop and then your corn muffins were muffins lousy, were lousy. Yeah. And <laughs> also paint then my chicken coop I love that he had, yes first of all anytime we've said this before if grandpa is in a scene then you know he's gonna talk yes because he's just crammed in there it's like Chekhov's gun yes it's like yes grandpa it's Chekhov's grandpa as you know it's just gonna be a scene of him but both him and Krusty having a backstory with Chester Lampwick, I love. Uh, yes. The fact that, cr- that yeah. it comes back for Krusty is so good. But here's another great logic fix in this scene where, um, you know, they're fighting, causing a problem, and um, Bart volunteering, you know, there's a great way to get rid of Chester, and it doesn't involve the gutter. Um, all it will cost you is $1,000, and we've already established in a previous scene that they go to Lionel Hutz, and he 
costs a thousand dollars to represent them in court. So it's just like a very quick fix that like I totally buy. It's not jarring. Right. And There's a huge a hilarious runner of yeah, Homer, Homer about to take <laughs> money out of his wallet. And sometimes Wait, apparently what's it for? he's got Wait. like seven hundred dollars in his wallet. Yeah. And there's a lot of internal debate while we were doing this episode of like, that's not realistic and blah, blah, blah. And there's, there are always debates that's about what's, what's the about realistic it. amount of money, but we're like, it's funny. I have a theory about The Simpsons that I may have said before, but the reason it's so good is there's like there's like 10 to 20 different types of humor working on any in any good episode. Mm-hmm. So you can't say there's really one tone to it. It's exactly. the fact that it has highbrow, lowbrow, meta jokes, weird jokes. It's all these different forms of humor sewn together yes. and that's so what makes it so good yeah and it's happening all at the same time yeah. so that's why I br- would bristle like in a room where people would like object to a joke exactly. like if it works organically then, then do it absolutely exactly. um, one meta joke that I love is when uh, Marge is saying you know you can't have a bomb in here he's like it's not a normal bomb mom it's a genius bomb he, uh, he created the um, you know violence in cartoons and then uh, Snowball runs away yeah, yeah. It's like a really that's such a because yeah. yeah. there, there are two jokes like that in this referencing Simpsons being cartoon characters and it's Snowball but then it's also that Wiggum uh, is, yes. uh, is yeah. a knockoff and, and I just love that those two things existing together Yeah, it's just so uh, full of, of, of right those references to, to yeah. jump ahead to that Wiggum thing that was also a comment too it's like about the Simpsons is all the Simpsons characters a lot of them like like Wiggum and all those they really are stereotypes but then they grew into their own right but they're based they're based on a stereotype the lazy cop who eats totally. donuts mm-hmm. and stuff and people don't like people are like oh the Simpsons is so brilliant but it still started with these stereotypes and then built out on them but that's the way everything is you know yeah. like we're all inspired by what came before and it's a loving tribute but then you expand you continue the story in right, your own yeah. way so yeah what's that thing like there's only three or five original stories in all of storytelling it's mm-hmm. like who cares yeah. but i love like how specifically it's called out in that courtroom scene of all of the hanna-barbera characters and like specifically the flintstones yeah. and we have that clip if we want to listen to it if yeah let's play it Maybe my dad did steal Itchy, but so what? Animation is built on plagiarism. If it weren't for someone plagiarizing the Honeymooners, we wouldn't have the Flintstones. If someone hadn't ripped off Sergeant Bilko, there'd be no Top Cat. Huckleberry Hound, Chief Wiggum, Yogi Bear, <laughs> Andy Griffith, Edward G. Robinson, Art Carney. Your Honor, you take away our right to steal ideas, where are they going to come from? Huh? Mm. Hmm. How about Ghost Mutt? Marge's pitch of Ghost Mutt is one of my favorite things. Her delivery is so so good. Um, Yeah. Ghost Mutt? Because she's really trying. Yeah. And you know what? And the thing is, it's not that bad idea. It's a great idea. Not to blow your minds, guys, but I do have a Gmail account that has Ghost Mutt in it. Yes. That's amazing. That's one of my bunk emails that I use for like online contests. We talked about it last time and previously in the show, but that would have made a good former OKCupid name. It would have been. It would have been. Ghost Mutt. Yeah. I love it. What a great clip. But it's also what's so good. You have to see it, but like Wiggum looks so shocked. And upset when he's called out. I know. But it's it's a silent little joke. Like, blink if you miss it. Blink and you miss it. And I I love that attention to detail. It's really great. I wanted to talk about all of the other um, characters that we are first introduced to in this episode that were, like, part of that Steamboat Willie, Steamboat Richie kind of thing. Um, Brown-nosed bear. Disgruntled goat. I love Disgruntled Flatulent fox. 
Rich Uncle Skeleton would be a really great That's a Halloween really good, costume. That yes. seems like, I swear that that design also is based on a tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, I That bet. skeleton of a top hat. I've, I've seen, yeah. seen Yeah. And I love him saying, and dinner dog. Oh my God. Dinner dog is the best dinner one. Dog. It's also the way he says it. Him <laughs> saying dinner dog and the idea of dinner dog and a drawing of dinner dog, I would say is one of my 10 favorite things on earth. Really? And dinner dog. And but dinner the drawing dog. of it is so funny. But and it, it, yeah. I, I could tell here here yes, I have please. I have it right. This is in Schwartzwelder's um first draft. There's some things that we changed and cut. For example, um here originally there the only characters my this is Chester the Olympic thing. The only characters Maya's could ever come up with were pathetic stick figures or little rectangular boxes with the names Funny Woodpecker or Sweaty Goat printed on them. So first we had Sweaty Goat. <laughs> But then, oh, but then on the next page, there's a reference to Disgruntled Goat, and it's actually the history of Disgruntled Goat that we cut out, which is that apparently Disgruntled, um, my, Roger Myers Jr. says, um, my father created them all with a possible exception of Disgruntled Goat. He found that in a garbage can outside Disney Studios. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where, so Disgruntled Goat was um, discarded by Disney. Oh, and there's also was a character named Uncle Ant. Oh, yeah. Who then, who I think we've seen in a previous, I think in Itchy and Scratchy Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, that reminds me of the joke that they have later for, well, Flagellant Fox was that, that was actually based on a true yeah. story. I uh, love that I too. I love. It's so funny. That's actually, that's the joke that re- replaced the Disney garbage can. Oh, joke. perfect. Perfect. And then we also have around there Sarcastic Horse, I believe, and Manic Mailman, which comes Manic to play Mailman. later. And you know, Manic Mailman was a later edition. That the the whole because the whole case revolve then every him, Roger Myers getting money back revolves around the U.S. Postal Service ripping off Mister Zip from yeah. Manic Mailman. Yeah. But originally in the first draft it was that Walter Lance had stolen um Woody Woodpecker from from oh, originally apparently Roger Myers Senior had a character called Funny Woodpecker <laughs> and then that Walter Lance stole that. Fantastic. But we were like, we were like, we don't want to impugn Walter Lance, who's actually was right. like a hero of ours. Yeah, and, and it's also better like you can attack the government, but don't, don't attack Walter Lance. But originally it was Walter Lance. I also like the uh, idea of the government giving a lot of money for a settlement, which seems yes. outlandish. Like, yeah, just completely counter. So yeah, and I, and I like that it's a little bit more contained than referencing something else that already exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's actually take a quick little break. Um, and then we'll be right back. Hi there, I'm film critic April Wolf and host of the Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on and we talk in depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons because the Switchblade Sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jonah Ray. You might have seen me on the latest season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 or heard me on the Nerdist podcast. Well, I got a new podcast that's about five years old, but we're moving it over to Max Fun, along with my friend Cash Hartzell. Hey, everybody. And my other friend, Neil. Hi. Nailed it! So, it's a music podcast where a lot of people just kind of hang out and talk about music, but so much more. We also take submissions. 
and so you can hear your band or our, our music, <laughs> or or both, or, or both of it. You could do. You could listen to your band play your music. Yeah. Um, so tune in. Why don't you? You could find out about some new bands, and maybe just hear us embarrass ourselves as we drink too much. Not too much. Well, it's all perspective, isn't it? Sure is. Welcome back to the show. What a great break that was. I love my fun. break. <laughs> I, I ate a couple of blintzes. What? How about you guys? Oh, my yeah. God. The blintzes, blintzes are so funny. Those blintzes were terrible. <laughs> Paint my it. fence. He's such a, a, a food connoisseur. <laughs> he, like, is, he hates the uh, corn muffins and the blintzes. Yeah. Was yeah, there any logic really to <laughs> those choices? <laughs> no. It was just he's really picky. Funny words. He's picky. Yeah, they're funny words. That's yeah, exactly it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, that's all you need sometimes. Yeah. You know, like uh, like twenty seven is a funny number yeah. or and it's whatever. Just two old guys, two old guys arguing. Mm-hmm, what's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I love them getting into a tussle in the middle of the courthouse. Um, and then I also I really love Lionel Hutz in this episode. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. Um, just in how like unabashedly shitty he is at his yes, job. But, and part of the key, and this is like a Matt grading secret too, is like one of the reasons he's appealing. And on the break, we're talking about pathetic characters. Is mm-hmm. he's enthusiastic, and yeah. Homer's always enthusiastic, and that's one of the appeals of Simpsons characters. Is even if they have really sad. <laughs> lonely bad lives because they're enthusiastic about what they do and about life then you enjoy it. Yes. And that's the thing about Lionel Hutz. He's always gung-ho. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about Hans Molman being, you know, probably like one of the most pathetic characters. Um, just by like textbook definition, everything is like shat on for him and he's the punchline of so many different um, situations. But there is a sense of him, like a gleefulness to him being involved in any way. Right, yeah. And also one thing that like, like Bill and I and Matt all really love is the humor of the pathetic. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we had a lot of that's like our love of Skinner and Chalmers. It's yes. all kind of like sad, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah, I I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but um, like one of the things that you know when you're a writer and like you don't quite know what your voice is until somebody tells you. <laughs> I had this moment uh, where I was writing on a sketch team, and one of the actors came up to me, and it was like the start of whatever rehearsal, and they just said, "So, Julia, which sad character am I playing this time?" Yeah. <laughs> and I went, "Oh, um." Well, I have a sketch called Lonely Caricature Artist, (laughs) and I was called out. And since then, you know, I don't know if it's probably inspired by you guys, like, you know, uh, subconsciously. But I love sad characters, too. But we get a lot lot of like, wow, you guys are really dark. You guys are dark. But it's like it's not darkness. It's like there's like this optimism in it. But people construe it as darkness, which is not like like, we're not I'm not Lenny Bruce. You (laughs) know, it's like we're the and that's. One of the appeals of, of like Homer is he's he looks he enjoys life. Right, right. You know? It kind of makes me think of, and I I say this a lot just in my normal life, but that one line from Dumb and Dumber. Uh, so you're saying I have a chance, you know? Like there's something that's optimistic, like you said about that and those kind of sad characters. Yeah. Um. Let's listen to that clip though of um of no no money no down. money down. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I'll take your case, but I'm going to have to ask for a thousand dollar retainer. A thousand dollars? But your ad says no money down. Oh, they got this all screwed up. So you don't work on a contingency basis? No, money down. Oops, shouldn't have this bar association logo here either. 
That was, I love I, that. That was a joke that was so crazy. And I remember when we were coming up with it, I'm pretty sure it was in a room. And it's like, it seemed so insane. And it seemed also so insane that it worked with like, no, money down. <laughs> yeah. And then it was extra insane that people got the joke and really loved it. Yeah. And it's become one of the favorite Lionel Hutz things. It's where, so good. Yeah. When it's one of those things that we like kind of threw out into the ether and had no idea if people would like it. Yeah. I also like him saying, uh, I shouldn't have this Bar Association logo. And he tears it yeah, off and, and he, then eats he eats it. it. That's <laughs> him eating it. It's a very Schwarzweldery thing that's yeah. actually based on old time spy espionage that's movies funny. where someone would have to eat the. That's funny. The, I also so. love, I forget which episode this is, but his, the sponge um, business card that Lionel oh, Hutz yeah. has. And yeah, I just, I love it. And the smoking monkey. We can go on and oh, on about I Lionel Hutz, but the that's not this episode. <laughs> um, I, I love yeah. um, the courtroom scene because we've already kind of played one of the clips, um, but this courtroom scene is so funny. So we have the blintzes, which is great. And also the fact that both of those interactions end with fighting, like physical yeah. brawling yeah. Is, is just so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to choose two characters for Chester to fight, it would have been Krusty and Grandpa. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that that happened. They're both good. Oh, and that's another thing. It's like Simpsons. If you look at the history of Simpsons, there's so many courtroom scenes, and <laughs> yes, it's like that I was another it. challenge. It's like we gotta. It seems like this is going to court, but we gotta make this courtroom scene funny because it's right. like that. That's always like a big. Challenge. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's so many great moments in this. Um, Lionel Hutz saying, "If I hear objection to sustain one more time, I'm gonna scream." And then he screams, and, it's and then so, he screams. Such a good payoff. And do you have any other evidence? We've got plenty of heresy and conjecture. Those are kinds of evidence. <laughs> so funny. And then um, it's also what's really good witnesses. is I love the humor of an idiot frustrating someone who's very straight laced. Yeah. But then we have, and you guys uh, do this a couple times in the show of like whatever's going to replace Itchy and Scratchy. Right. Um, and so we have this great Schoolhouse Rock oh, yeah. parody. Oh, be- before we get to Schoolhouse oh, Rock, yes. let me talk about this one thing that had a, a developed an urban legend in The Simpsons among the staff because we were, for years after this, we were like, didn't The Simpsons once do a parody of The Simpsons in some episode and we could never remember what episode it was mm-hmm. or what it was called. And it ends up, it's here, it's in Schwarzwelder's first draft. And instead of the Schoolhouse Rock thing, it was a parody of The Simpsons within The Simpsons that wow. replaces Itchy and Scratchy. But the thing is, like, the the sad... The sad reason we never did it is because it's not that funny. Right. But I'll tell you what it is. Yes. But it's really, it's, re- I'm, I'm, my proviso is, this is not funny. This is why we cut it. And it's so weird that this, this script and this episode is masterful. But one of the least funny things was us trying to parody ourselves. Right. <laughs> and so this is like, I'll tell you this, um, it's Krusty introducing the, um, this new cartoon and it's from the brilliant minds of a famous underground cartoonist and the creator of some of TV's classic sitcoms. It's called Homage Alley. And first of all, like <laughs> Homage Alley is like, uh, I, I kind of get it, right, but, it's, but not it's not like snappy. that funny. And then this is like a really weird parody of The Simpsons where here it says like, we see an eccentrically designed factory set with brightly colored backgrounds and oddly shaped people. All the people have prominent lower jaws and strangely shaped hair. See, get it? They have a an underbite instead of an overbite. And in the scene, a supervisor catches a fat worker loafing. And a supervisor says, Hitchcock. So instead of Simpson, it's Hitchcock. I guess it's because it's an homage. But the bo- Mr. Burns goes, 
the supervisor goes, you've goofed off for the last time. Look deep inside yourself and you'll realize you're fired. Then Hitchcock, the Homer character, goes, ah, the ignominy. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, that's not that a good, that's not very good. But, I mean, it's like it's, it's very, almost bad on purpose yeah, in a funny way. Right. It, maybe that's it. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's really like intentionally clunky maybe but right, then Bart right. and Lisa are watching it and Bart goes this is the worst cartoon in the world <laughs> and then Lisa says I heard the critics like it yeah, <laughs> so, that's funny. but the, the real reason we cut it is it's, it's kind of a head scratcher right, so, right, right so but anyway so we replaced it with Schoolhouse Rock which we had been wanting to do a parody of Schoolhouse Rock for ages and talking about nostalgia for animation and stuff for us people like us who are now in our 50s we grew up in the 70s and Schoolhouse Rock was a huge Mm -hmm. thing to us because it was like the first exposure to sort of this cool alterna animation and it was actually kind of funny Mm -hmm. and witty and weird yeah and catchy I was actually I've been listening forgetting that there's a parody of it in this episode I had like the hankering to listen to Schoolhouse Rock Mm -hmm. so I've just been driving around LA listening to Three is the Magic Number which of course is like covered and it's also they sample it in in a De La Soul song oh yeah that's a great Mm -hmm. sample that's a great song really good but yeah, yeah so all those songs like were ingrained in our heads as kids and you love them um and so we've been dying to do a schoolhouse rock parody in that style this one's and, perfect and we actually got the guy who sang the original i'm just a bill wow. is the guy who sung what's his name is like uh it's like I'm bob darty something i need something to it's 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 on it's in wikipedia mm-hmm. but yeah we were actually because also we didn't want to get sued and so we fought want to get sued as, <laughs> as legitimate as we could make it and we found out that this guy was still around and so he sang it and still had that same great raspy voice that he did so he's, he's so good he's I just love him going I'm not garbage uh, yeah. oh, let, so let's good. listen to it hey who left all this garbage on the steps of Congress I'm not garbage I'm an amendment to be yes an amendment to be and I'm hoping that they'll ratify me there's a lot of flag burners who have got too much freedom I want to make it legal for policemen to beat them Cause there's limits to our liberties At least I hope and pray that there are Cause those liberal freaks go too far Why can't we just make a law against flag burning? Because that law would be unconstitutional But if we change the Constitution Then we could make all sorts of crazy laws Now you're catching on Good news amendment They ratified you You're in the U.S. Constitution Oh yeah Listening to it now It's like it's really timely It's about (laughs) like changing the Constitution And for putting Allowing people to have guns and stuff And it's very like Which is also very tragic But it's like It's really like it's still timely. No. Well, it also just kind of makes you think of like how, and this, of course, is a stereotype uh, that maybe our listeners don't agree with, but I just feel like there aren't that many creative Republicans. And so it's kind of lucky because what if they were turning out? What if Schoolhouse Rock had had like a Republican agenda and was as good as real Schoolhouse Rock? Like Ooh. we'd have more Republicans, I'd bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like we're kind of lucky that the and best music and art. My guess is like they d- they tried to be fair, but yeah. really they were really progressive. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember like I'm a Sesame Street kid. Like I remember when they first launched Sesame Street in the very early '70s, and it's really progressive. Oh yeah, and so like Schoolhouse Rock 
messages were progressive. And so there's also there's an interesting lineage and homage from The Simpsons of like you have like Schoolhouse Rock, you have like Rocky and Bullwinkle, and you have these occasional progressive cartoons for kids that yeah. then led and mm-hmm. helped inspire The Simpsons. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's so funny too, and the animation is so perfect. It is. It's done, and that's that's part of the key too. And that's one of the things I was just talked to Matt Groening the other day. It's the art of parody that really people like National Lampoon first pioneers making it so realistic. Yes, it's uh, the, the attention to detail then makes it yes, all the better. Exactly, yeah, which then leads to you guys, which then leads to the Onion. And right, exactly. Like Getting that. things just right. It may not even be a joke, but that you get it just right is part of why it's so And I think cool. that music, too, a lot of people don't consider that being like, if you're doing a musical comedy, to really try hard and making it be like a sincere performance. I think that a lot of people can kind of like be cheeky about it, which ruins the joke. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's a big thing like that we learned from Matt Green again. We're still doing it in a new show. It's like, you've got to have that sincerity. Yeah. And you've got to have the characters believe in your situation or else you're just taken out of it. Yeah. And the key, one of the secrets of The Simpsons too is the more the characters care and believe in their situation, the more you you as a viewer are drawn in and then you like the jokes even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sad that uh, Jeffrey Tambor is no longer able to be spoken about in like such a favorable way just because of what went down. But I will say just because it is relevant that when he was talking about how he played his character in um, the uh, Larry Sanders show, uh, he said, I played it pure tragedy every time. I, I never played it for a joke. I always played it like I was just the most tragic character ever. And it makes him the funniest character on the show. Yeah. And I love that. And That's it's... right. And it's like if you look at The Simpsons, the sincerest characters or people like, like Skinner or whatever, yes. then you feel that yes. tragedy yes. encircling them and you feel the sadness mm-hmm. and whatever. I would also say that Veep also does that yeah. really, really well where everybody is like, you know, very serious and, and the comedy coming from that. But that's also a much drier show and it's yeah. comedy. Um, but it's great. And so going back to the episode around this time, um, you know, they the court win the awards um, Chester J. Lampwick um, with the settlement and um, or not the settlement, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it, it essentially bankrupts the Gene Scratchy right. Studios, um, which made me think of the Gawker situation in Hulk Hogan recently of of him winning uh, that case in court. Yeah. Um, and then it, then it yeah. ends up like something people really loved is is killed. Right, right, right. Though I'm sure that Hulk Hogan didn't have the same kind of moral dilemma as Bart <laughs> yeah. did in this situation. Yeah, he's probably, what? A court case? What? I know. <laughs> that was a great impression. Um, I, oh, I don't mean to step on your toes. Oh, no, no. The, just the, I love, we talked a little bit about Chester and how he, how money has not changed him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, they're trying to get him to like make the cartoon come back and that, you know, it would just be a royalty situation. And so uh, he's saying, um, you know, I don't need any more money. I'm not greedy. As long as I've got my health, my million of do- my millions of dollars, my gold house, and my rocket car, I don't need anything else. Rocket car. Yes, we love the rocket car. It's actually a reference to somebody on The Simpsons who had kind of a rocket car. Well, really? <laughs> yes. I thought it was going to be a reference to that movie Hooper. Do you know it? No. The Reynolds movie. It was this movie that he made in between, like, working on Smoking and the Bandits from the same director of Smoking and the Bandit. And it was basically like, all right, we've got Burt Reynolds for two weeks and he wants to hang out with his friends. Let's construct a movie around it. And it's like the thinnest plot. It's so dumb. It's about him being a stunt 
driver dude for Adam West. They use his name, Adam West. Wow. And That's a good in idea. the movie, like he drives a rocket car over a gorge. That's so funny. Well, yeah. the, and that rock, the design for the rocket car, I believe, is the Blue Flame, which was a famous rocket car. Oh, but right. it was actually a reference to somebody on The Simpsons who had a really fancy car. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there was a trend of rocket cars <laughs> for a certain period of time. But that's also, we're often, when we're talking about really rich people, we'll say my solid gold house and my rocket car. I love I it. Love it. Um, I also love that, um, you know, we've talked about how many cases they've solved. And so in this, in this, they're, they're trying to get them out and they, they give up. And then they're just like, do you want to get uh, a poo out of jail? And then they have uh, uh, a book that's about public, public nudity. nudity. Yeah. And I love, <laughs> I totally forgot until I saw it again yesterday. Is that Apu is there in his bathrobe. I know. Later. Like he's still from <laughs> yeah. the scene. It's really, really funny. But then also around there, they go to visit um, Roger Myers Jr. And um, we have this great, you know, Walt Disney lore reference where oh, yeah. he's, you know, like he's very downtrodden, like boxed up office, and in the um, worst Western hotel, which is one of my favorite. Oh hotel yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he complains that he can't keep his dad's head in the freaking cryogenic center anymore. Yeah, he goes, "Are you happy in there, Daddy?" <laughs> but yeah, that was a, that's not in this first draft. It's a later edition. And I believe there's some debate whether we want to reference the rumors about Walt Disney being cryogenically frozen. But right. that's what that's what that is. Yeah, and I feel like that's such a widely known or believed um, rumor that it's like everyone's like, all right, got it, yeah. Walt Disney head. Mm-hmm. And we also enjoyed it because they got the perfect Travis, our sound guy, got the perfect sound of a defrosted head thumping in a styrofoam <laughs> container. That's funny. I had forgotten that that's what was being uh, referenced and it was still just a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing, too. It's like, as a kid, too, you don't know these certain things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you guys do such a good job of packaging jokes and references in a way that doesn't feel exclusionary, you know? Like, it's funny on its own and then you grow up and you get the references. Yeah, we've talked about this, too, but, like, for us, like, that was, like, what Mad Magazine was. Like, when I was a kid reading Mad, I was like, I don't really know what hippies are. (laughs) I don't know who Adelaide Stevenson or Eisenhower Power is right. but they're referencing them and then later I learned like oh okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I actually remember the first time you were on the show uh, we were talking about uh, Julia you love uh, you love Jub Job he's everywhere you want to be he's everywhere you want to be and that you explained to us what that was actually referenced to and how we just thought it was something kind of funny yeah, yeah exactly. I just thought he was like a pest <laughs> right. and so like other things like like the ad what I think it was American Express it was, yeah that it's like I wonder too like how many things like in Bugs Bunny cartoons or whatever I grew right. up like that are, are really specific references, but we have no idea. Exactly. Yeah, and and maybe are not have, time has not been kind to them in yeah. in some ways. And but then I feel like you guys also reference it on The Simpsons of that you know sensation happening of like it being such a hyper specific reference that you know now you you don't you can't get it unless you open up a history book, right? Stuff like that. But yeah, so around here is when um, we have the Simpsons kids in the kitchen and they're, you know, trying to figure out how they can, you know, solve this and they get inspired and and an idea sparks and we can kind of see the wheels in motion. But then this is also like minute 20 of a 22 minute episode. So what's going to happen? Of course, you guys wrap it up so tightly. I remember actually watching this and looking at the time right around. I can't believe like, holy shit. Yeah. 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 So they show up and then we get 
get our great Lester and Eliza, um, you know, intro of of these sort of like off brand Bart and Lisa yeah. characters. Uh, they also save Krusty's marriage. What was yeah, the his wife? His estranged, estranged wife. wife. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, yeah I know. That's I love that. <laughs> and that's like, a, and these are almost that's almost word for word that is in in Schwarzwelder's original draft except that Roddy he's called Roddy Roddy but all these things are like that's one thing that's masterful about when you get a really good Schwarzwelder script is it was a pretty easy rewrite Mm -hmm. but as we talked about before of like Mountain of Madness they're easy to break Right. It's yeah. like a Schwarzwelder script is like fine piece of German engineering and if you have the wrong technicians work on it it'll blow up in your face so you have to do it really carefully yeah that's a really good analogy um, is there anything else from this episode that, uh, like, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff or or what <laughs> have you that you want to mention before we wrap up? Yeah, what I, did we miss or anything? I tried to think, like, we covered, like, everything, like, that was cut and kind of, I think, I think that's, I think we covered yeah? everything. Yeah. I love it's this episode. It's such a great episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is one of those that you kind of forget about, too, yeah. because it's not one of those big emotional ones or Bart sells his soul or mm-hmm, who shot mm-hmm. Mr. Burns or whatever it's just kind of like oh yeah and it's not right. even my, it's not even my favorite Gene Scratchy episode which would be the Poochie one but mm-hmm. then watching it go like oh my god this has 200 great jokes and it's really funny and yeah there was also one joke that I didn't realize came from this episode which is like a constant thing we say on this show but um, uh, something that I say in my normal life uh, when I'm peer pressuring people um, <laughs> is uh, well I'm not going to call you a liar but I don't know how else to finish that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's really realistic. I love that. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I remember, like, I would get the episodes confused sometimes just by the name of it. And, mm-hmm. like, The Day the Violence Died, I sometimes thought was the one where, you know, March versus Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah, Just because yeah. it kind of sounds like that's what it would be about. I, I've had to look up things, especially certain March. Like, I always get March Be Not Proud and yeah. in March We Trust yes, confused, right. even though they're both our episodes. <laughs> it's yeah. like, so, yeah, it's some are hard to keep track. Yeah, and it's easy to kind of conflate those memories of these two episodes because it is, it's kind of following the basic premise of changing itchy and scratchy yeah, exactly. in, a, in a very radical way that you know leaves everybody you know disillusioned um so, yeah. i also just thought it was so funny um that uh there's the moment where lisa says that so it's true some cartoons do uh you know inspire violence mm-hmm. or you know whatever it is um just because that cartoon was so bad that it made her have to punch her brother yeah. which i think is such a funny because I, I do remember people saying like TV shows or like cartoons and video games like made kids violent or like become like bad kids. And- yeah. And that's part of that was a, a lighter part of a social commentary of this episode. Yeah. Was does that really happen? There's also like a great um, interaction uh, between Bart and Lisa in this episode. It's like just the wordplay of it is really, really great. It's earlier when they're first watching the marathon when Bart says, Lisa, if I ever stop loving violence, I want you to shoot me. <laughs> I <laughs> will <love that> do. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. I like them as partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a rare thing too is like when they do like just like when like Lisa and Homer are partners or whatever. Yeah. Seeing Bart and Lisa as actual brothers sister and they kind of get along yeah. it's really he, sweet well there mm-hmm. is something about like core cast characters pairing up that feels really kind it's like yeah, you know yeah. it, it's almost like a love letter to the viewers of, of liking these stars of their show um, so uh, I've, are you able to tell our listeners anything about uh, what's coming up for your show yeah that's because part of talking about this episode is a sly way to wangle a promo <laughs> for yes, our upcoming please. show because it's about animation about making it a an animated show. So um, uh, for years, for about 10 years, Matt Groening had this idea 
for this show called Disenchantment. And the cool thing about working with Mac Groening is he has these notebooks full of like ideas and drawings that he's been doing for years. Oh my and God. has these individual notebooks for different show ideas. So what he wanted to do, just like Futurama goes a thousand years into the future, our show for Netflix, um, which is coming on this year, um, goes a thousand years in the past mm-hmm. into so a, cool. into a magical, a semi-magical past. Um, and I can, like, I'm not, I'll get fired if I say too many <laughs> things, but I can tell you some really cool things that have to do with, like, the making of a show. Yes. Is we have, a, um, first of all, it's it looks beautiful. The characters are all, they're hand-drawn and hand-designed by Matt, all the main characters. But we wanted, because people have now super high-def TVs, and we really like it, and it's a fantasy show, and there have been a million fantasy shows and movies before. It's like, we thought this has to look beautiful. This has to, like, blow people away visually. So we have a new, like, sort of almost hand-painted backgrounds, but they look beautiful. But we figured, but the matte characters go very well with them because we have to figure out all this stuff with, like, lighting and stuff. It's boring technical stuff. But we were just getting the first color episodes back, and they look really they look really beautiful That's and it so works cool. and we're so happy like that it, it came together. But what also works, there's like 50 different things we're excited about. Part, well, another one is the cast. Mm-hmm. It's because we not only got nearly every single person from Futurama back to do voices, Yay. but our three and they're awesome, but they're doing different characters than they did in Futurama, which is great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like John DiMaggio, instead of playing Bender, he plays Princess Bean as the main character. Also, what we're really proud of is this is the first Mac rating show with a female lead character. Yay. It oh, all yeah, centers yeah. around Princess Bean, who's played by Abby Jacobson, uh. who's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, John DiMaggio plays her father, who's like this grumpy king. Um, <laughs> but And he's awesome. And it's, it's cool because like the Futurama people are kind of like our our ladder and our link to the past, but we're going into the, into the future, but into the past. Yeah, and yeah. This media link. But the three main characters are Princess Bean, played by Abby Jacobson, her elf companion named Elfo, who comes <laughs> from this weird... Also, one of the things is we're doing... Within the show, it's one style, but Elfo comes from this old-timey place called Elfwood that's animated like an old Fleischer Brothers cartoon. So when they go to this place and we come back, we go, because it's a fantasy, so we explore all these different lands. So when you go to Elfwood, it's all, it's animated in like a a Fleischer Brothers style. That's amazing. That you step in and out of. But so he comes from this world, it's Elfo, and he's played by Nat Faxon, who's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then the other main character is Lucy, who's Princess Bean's personal demon, and that's played by Eric Andre. Perfect. And those three actors are great. And the cool thing is they're they're all also writers and directors themselves. Mm-hmm. So they bring an extra level of thinking and comedy. Like when we give them lines, you can see they're processing and making the lines even better. So they're our main characters um, with the Futurama people. But then because it's also a medieval fantasy world, we have a certain number of English voices as well. I would say like maybe a third of the characters are British accents. And we wanted to get, instead of Americans going like, I'm a blimey Brit, blah, blah. <laughs> we wanted to get real British yeah. actors. And I loved from some time I spent in England doing this kid show for the BBC. I found love with all these British comedians. And we were, Al and I, were, we were talking about this beforehand. My favorite show of all time, more than The Simpsons is The Mighty Boosh. The best. Yeah. It's like, it's the best thing ever. And I freaking love The Mighty Boosh. It's so Boosh. cartoony. Yeah. And that's, um, sorry, I spit. I no, spit it's all I, good. I was talking because <laughs> no, I was so it's all good. enthusiastic. So, so excited. So anyway, so I had done the, I had done a, a, a pilot for Fox that went nowhere with Matt Berry and Rich Fulcher. And it also ends up that Rich Fulcher went to the same high school that Bill Oakley and I did. And he was a couple years older. So cool. But so we, so I got to know 
Rich, especially well, and Matt Berry as well. And during our agonizing three-year process of making this pilot of Fox, that went nowhere, but we all kind of bonded. So um, so it got Rich Fulcher as both a writer on a show because mm-hmm. he moved back to America, but also an actor. Matt Berry is, plays Prince Merkimer, who is a jerky, pompous prince who's supposed to marry Princess Bean in the first episode. Something happens to him that then plays out over yeah. the rest of a series. His voice so, is so great. So it he's really is. so great. It's just and like it's someone, deep and He's velvety. someone I can't believe they hadn't used in an animated show oh, before. Yeah. And then, um, so we also got him and Noel Fielding, mm-hmm. who we love, who plays Stan, the friendly executioner and yeah. dungeon master Ugh. in our show. So as well, we also got these other great British comedians, Lucy Montgomery, mm-hmm. who does a lot. She's sort of like our British... Tress McNeil, who oh, does all, all, all our different style, funny British mm-hmm. regional voices. And we're really careful, too. We're like, this shouldn't be a Cockney voice. This should be a North Northern English voice. And that's blah, great. Blah, blah, blah. So we've got and a, a number of other people. There's some people I'm not allowed to talk about contractually, but people will be very pleasantly Ooh, surprised woo-hoo. when they hear. Um, and, and we it's just it's a really amazing voice cast. I just want to say our writers too, which I love because it's half us old Simpsons Futurama farts like like me, Matt, Bill Oakley, David Cohen. There's also Eric Corsten and Pat Verone from Futurama. But the other half of the staff is young people because we're all over 50 and old farts. <laughs> and the other half, so we hired two of my favorite writers from Gravity Falls, Shion Takeuchi and Jeff Rowe, who are, who are young and awesome. And I love them. And also this team of women, Jenny Batten and M. Dixon, who are, I just had read their spec scripts and they're the funniest scripts I've ever read. That's oh, amazing. So, so they're on a staff and then a few other people, but it's a really good mix of old farts and awesome new farts. That <laughs> just like, it's a really good combination. So we're not, it's not the same old stuff, even though yeah. it has that Matt Groening flavor. And, and when will it come out? That's what... I know when it's coming out. I'm not allowed that's to a, say. That's a beat that's saved for it's PR. It's a secret, but it will be. It is this year. <laughs> okay, great. And we're so psyched for it. And as you know, because it's it's two seasons of 10 episodes, mm-hmm. we'll be releasing them in a batch of 10. Oh, excellent. And also it's serialized. So there's ongoing Yay. deep arcs. As oh, yeah. well of course, as, it wouldn't be a show that you guys were involved in yeah. if it wasn't. So it's, it's, it's really good. I, I can't really wait. Like I can't wait. wait. Oh, well, man. thank you so much. And yeah. we'll have you back on once the show does come yeah. out if you want to. And then we could even talk about the episode, do a little uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. one-off. Um, but thank you so much for coming. We always love best. when you come. I love doing this. It's uh, been too long. Yeah. yeah You're but... like the fifth Beatle. The, <laughs> the third. Uh, There's so many fifth Beatles. There's like ten. There really Beatles. are. Yeah. <laughs> I love them all. I love all my children. <laughs> uh, and then where can people find your stuff online or follow you? They can follow me at Josh Strange Hill on Twitter. I really um, recommend it. As yeah. as will as will be. And also, the yeah, book. I'll, I'll pitch for Bill Oakley too. Is he's that Bill Oakley? Because often we'll find we go through these old scripts and find scenes that we cut You're so and we'll good post them. And because we're we're Simpsons freaking nuts too. Yeah. So we love finding this yeah. stuff. So yeah. yeah, look for look for that, and we'll and Fruver will start talking about the sh- new show. Yay. Hell yeah, uh, Julia, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you for asking me. You could find me at Allie Gertz on all the things. You could find us at Simpsons Pod on many things, <laughs> um, particularly Twitter, um, and then also Simpsons Pod on Twitter. Simpsons, Simpsons, Simpsons Pod, Pod on Twitter. <laughs> and if you are Chicago or Chicago adjacent, uh, we are coming to your town uh, March 31st for our first live show ever. It's going to be huge. We're going to be promoting the fuck out of it. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be ears. so fun. My freaking ears! Ow, my freaking ears! <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, stay tuned for more info on that. Uh, smell you later. All right, bye. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.